0: Um so I have 3 pre-selected questions that came to me during the week. And I'm going to do my best to answer these, but we could even have some discussion on the back end. And if we have some time, then what we could do is take some more questions um from you guys. So, part of the challenge of what we do uh as part of our worship service is we set forth that which we think will equip you engage you edify you um, that which will evangelize that which will equip uh, but most of the time you guys just get to kind of sit there and we don't know necessarily you know are, are, are we striking uh, the quick are, are we talking to the very things that truly are on your heart and so we're taking this morning to speak to that and uh, Maybe these three questions aren't on your list, so you can save your questions for the end, and maybe we'll have some time to speak to those as well. Um, question number one: Why is Jello so good? I'm not sure. Uh, it just is, uh, especially red Jello. Um, question number two: No, these aren't these aren't the real questions. Some of you are looking at me like. Really? We're going to get 40 minutes of that? No. Question number one. What can we do about the tragedy in Afghanistan? How many of us and how many of those around the world in the church are asking that question now? It seems like a hopeless situation. This is a scenario that we can't necessarily get over there. We can't get relief teams in. Um, So what do we do? What do we do for those who are suffering, who face uh, imminent suffering and death, uh, possible suffering and death? Um, What do we do? And it is a very compelling question. So it's not that what I'm going to offer you this morning as an answer is comprehensive. In other words, that what I'm gonna give you is the complete answer. It just gets us going in a direction. That's, that's my objective this morning. And, and we're going to do our best to come with a realistic answer, something that has tangible application, but also speaks to the soul and, and speaks to uh, God's economy in the midst of all of that, um, and, and the, the challenges and the tension that's within the question. So my, my advice right out of the gate is, number one, don't politicize it uh when we have, when we politicize very important suffering challenges issues we lose our efficacy in addressing those things and usually what happens is just a giant debate in rhetoric right and and the enemy knows this read screw tape letters if you if you want to start answering some of these questions about what's happening in our culture, what's happening in our world, get a book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. And if you wanna approach it from a spiritual sense, that will change your thinking if you've never read it. But I encourage you to understand that one of the agencies of the enemy, Satan, is to get us to just simply debate and to yell our opinions at one another and do nothing right but we've gotten our opinion out yet that has not helped anyone so my encouragement to you is don't politicize any situation but at the same time especially in context of what's going on in Afghanistan if we truly want to do something if we truly want to be effective let's start by not politicizing it the suffering commands our compassion not our opinions okay so there's one thing Two. Nothing has changed in our world. Just because of what we've heard and what's flooded the the screens and your phones and your media channels uh, has been about Afghanistan. Have you been aware that this has been happening all over the world? And yet suddenly we're we're uh, we're all invigorated and we're all moved to do something. And yet this has been happening in the central areas of Africa. How many of you have been around long enough to remember the, the Tutsis and the Hutus out of Africa and the genocidal cleansing that was going on there? And yet, if it weren't just for a few organizations, we wouldn't have been aware. How many of you are aware of what's happening in China to the Christians in China? Afghanistan comp- pales in comparison to what's happening all over the place. So my point is simply this. Nothing has changed in our world just because of the magnification of what's happening in Afghanistan. Suffering is unilateral. And if, if you want some deeper thoughts on suffering, go look up and, and view and, and start taking some notes on uh, last week's message. It was all about suffering but suffering is unilateral it happens on so many different levels think about the fact that there is suffering just even in our own city maybe even in our own neighborhood maybe even on our own street there's immense suffering and yet we're focused on the suffering that's happening in Afghanistan and some of the times we're just addressing it through opinion and rhetoric and talking about it so these are things to be mindful of so that we are truly effective we truly are doing something about what's happening in Afghanistan suffering is unilateral it's not just in our face with Afghanistan now it sounds like I'm trying to diminish the suffering that's going on I'm not I'm trying to help you wrap your hearts and minds around the bigger picture so that we can do something in what seems to be something we can't really do anything about. Does that make sense? So if we, if we start to look at these ideas, let's stop politicizing it, let's, uh, let's start attending our compassion towards suffering, not our opinions. And if we start to understand suffering has been here from the dawn of man And that suffering is nothing new to our world. Okay, we're going to need some more chairs, folks. So some people can step up and grab some chairs. Uh, Not our visitors. You guys, you're you're good. Um, So we have a gentleman over here. Um, Feel free to find a spot somewhere to sit. Invite people to sit next to you so that they're not suffering. See how I just worked that right in there. Number three, be truthful about what history will record, right? So if we lean back on on the first point where we have all these opinions, have you ever met someone who just totally had a wrong accounting, a complete wrong accounting of something that happened historically or hysterically, right? And the challenges are that when we look at some of these world events that are happening, such as what's going on in Afghanistan, I implore you to start thinking through what will history say so that you are on, and here's a nice colloquialism, you are on the right side of history. Got it? Because if we truly want to be effective, then what we want to do is we want to think what is the reality, what are are the truths that are going on here so that I truly am effective in helping those who are suffering it helps me be better planned it helps me be more effective with whatever level of compassion or whatever level of service that i might provide if we're truthful about what history will record uh, then be willing to have it form your conviction on the subject have you ever met the person that had a deep resounding conviction about something happening on the world stage and they acted on it, but they acted on something that was surreptitious. That just they didn't have all the facts, that history wasn't kind to their view on it. And you notice what I'm doing with all of these suggestions as I'm massaging you through this question. I keep talking about someone else who does these things, right? You know that that effective technique of, of speaking. So really what we need to be doing is looking at ourselves and thinking about how, how truthfulness about the historical record on things should form my conviction. And for most of us, we're probably thinking about someone who holds an opposite conviction of us on the political stage and how they're completely wrong and they really need to hear this message, right? And so how can we help those in Afghanistan get it right? get it right about what is really happening, what is really going on, what is really at stake. And it comes down to some real basics, my friends. And it it, it speaks to the message from last week. There will be suffering. And there will be pride. And there will be envy. There will be jealousy. There will be murder. There will be, and I could keep going, but I've got kids in the audience, so I'll just stop right there there will be because there has been because there is now and there will be in the future so this kind of suffering should not catch us off guard it should inform us as to how we will choose to live by our convictions and our convictions rooted in jesus christ and the truth of his scripture is that which offers hope which is connected to our next question it offers hope and so i'm going to give you some illustrations here Here's some very specific things we can do out of our convictions as believers and the hope of heaven. Alright, be willing to pray. And yet, so much of the time we hear out there today, I don't want your prayers, I want action. Can I just help you understand that those are people who don't believe in prayer? So why would, you know, if I'm going to hire a plumber who doesn't believe in the flow of water, then I've got issues, right? then I'm not being really smart with who I'm taking advice from when people tell us that they don't want our prayers can I just encourage you keep praying don't be belligerent to them but keep praying don't let someone who has no faith in prayer who has no faith in the hope of heaven determine your prayer life and the efficacy of your prayer life think about all the incredible things that have changed because of prayer So number one, we can pray. Number two, support. We may not be able to get in and help people evacuate, but we might be able to help some families. We might be able to do some research and inquire about families that are here, whether it's military families or whether it's Afghan families that are here that are suffering. And we could come alongside those individuals and show compassion and show the love of Christ, right? How's that for an idea? Anybody think that's a good idea? You can clap if you think it's a bad idea. You can do the gladiator, okay? You could go like this, like, boo, kill him, kill him. And then Brad will walk up with his sword, his centurion sword and, and give me a nice dagger in the back. No, he won't do that. So we can support, we can pursue. Again, I'm drawing some lines of what we tend to do in America. We tend to pontificate on ideas. We like to be able to discuss these things around tables. We like to be able to share on our social media our opinions, but it's not doing anything. But let's pursue that which we can actually have an effect on, right? This stage was filled by four gentlemen that sacrificed time and energy and um, so many different things where they shared from their lives How Christ changed them they did something rather than just hold their convictions and hold their their views to themselves this is where the effectiveness of the love of Christ Jesus comes into place yes or no okay let's forget that one because it's so it's so quiet let's go if I go yes and you like it then do something audible there that's not bad if if you don't like it what do you do okay thank you Pete so when it comes to this idea of what can we do about Afghanistan the concept and the advice of pray support and pursue do we get a or do we get a (laughs) which one is it one two three okay now see that you're doing exactly what I told you not to do we're just throwing out our opinion yay (laughs) right I caught you what we want to do is we want to do something and do it today parents one of the best things you can do is on the way home talk with your kids and say what are we gonna do because they're watching you pastor said we should get out there because in the love of Christ we should do something you see what's happening right now Brian's getting up to make a place for Margie this is doing Brian's like don't bring look and now they're like hugging each other this is beautiful let's just keep watching Margie welcome Margie Acts eleven twenty-seven. turn there in your scriptures it's one thing for me to give you information it's a completely different thing to give you biblical support for this to look at the example of people running in front of you. Anybody ever have a coach? Or anybody ever have somebody that they looked up to, uh, a mentor, that you chose that individual to have influence in your life because they did, they didn't just say. They did, they didn't just say. So what I wanna guide you to is principle, without a doubt, but I wanna guide you to principle of people living it out. So Acts 11:27 says now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Okay, Claudius, a Roman emperor. And there was a famine throughout the whole world. And so this prophecy came true And what's fascinating about this is that prophets came down from Jerusalem down to Antioch. So they came from their church, their dwelling place, their meeting place, and they came out to the people. We just had a a class on leadership, and the, the characteristic number nine that we looked at was leaders lead by example. Leaders move forward by example, by getting out of their meeting rooms and getting their hands dirty. Yay or nay? Yay. Yay. So important that Abba's even standing in support of what I'm saying. Thank you, Abba. So they come down and and a prophecy is given about a famine. So what happens as a result? So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Are there whole people groups right now that are suffering from lack of food and water? How many of us have been involved in an outreach like that, where we have provided for those who are suffering that we do exactly what we see out of the early church right here. We don't, we don't sit in a room and come up with great ideas put them on a wall, and then just leave them. So what can we do about Afghanistan? Number one, we can pray. Number two, we can support. Number three, we can pursue. But maybe that's not enough. Maybe we take this biblical example and we start to go outside the boundaries of things that we can't do specifically, and we start looking at things we can do specifically. So I'm here to announce with you right now the elders of our church following this example have made a commitment to provide fifteen hundred dollars from our our 19 response to world vision for relief in haiti this week and what we would like to challenge the church to do in support of what we're talking about on this point is we will leave that open for the next two weeks and if you want to partner with your church and you want to help be part of that relief right and and you can make this connection Here you have individuals that prophesy, there's going to be a famine, there's going to be needs. And so the elders got together and said, we're going to pool our resources and we're going to send it to those who are in need. This is what we do. Yay or nay? This is how we respond. It may not be specific to Afghanistan. And honestly, if you find out anything that we could do that is worthwhile, that history will smile upon, contact us we want to know what we can do let's be that church amen so if you go over just one chapter to chapter 12 i want to speak to the prayer issue because sometimes so this is really weird there's two heli- military helicopters flying over right now as uh, i'm preaching about afghanistan i paid a lot of money to have that effect <laughs> So, you know, yes. Sometimes when we talk about prayer, we put that aside because we have been praying for things and we fail to see the answers to that. I want to show you the realities that happened for the first church, right? Because I've emphasized, don't get stuck into the politics of the issue. Look at what history says and let it inform how you pray, how you support, how you pursue. So let's look at this real quickly. James and Peter are imprisoned, right? About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Caesarea, I don't know the exact date, Probably somewhere in the in the forties, late thirties AD. Herod was looking for political appeasement to the Jews. It was it was volatile. And so what he does is he rests some of the leadership and it pleased the Jews. So one of those individuals he takes from prison, James, and he has him beheaded by the sword in front of a large crowd and the crowd is overwhelmingly excited. Does this sound like Afghanistan and the things that we're talking about and the the perilous danger that those individuals will be facing or some have already succumbed to? Peter is put back into prison only to hold him for a little bit of time, right? Herod's gonna milk it for all the political worth he can get. And so what he does is he kills James, gets the temperature, of how the crowd feels about it and he's holding peter fast forward to what the church does now herod was about to bring him out on that very night peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains pretty dire and sentries before the door were guarding the prison and behold an angel of the lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. He walks out of jail. He walks supernaturally out into the public streets He walks, a completely free man, thinking about his brother James, who never had that chance for freedom, who succumbed to the sword. And where does he walk to? He walks to the church, who are gathered. And I'm just going to paraphrase it for the sake of time. The church is gathered. Brothers and sisters, what are they doing? What is the church doing? Say it again. Praying. But what you need to see out of this group of first century believers that had the beautiful and wonderful opportunity to walk side by side and talk face to face with the apostles, and some of them would have seen Jesus himself. They're praying. Peter shows up to the door, knocks on the door, and a girl named Rhoda shows up. She pulls the speakeasy aside. Hello? Who's out there? Because they're praying in secret. They're scared. If they'll if they come after Peter and James, they'll come after who? Does this story relate to what you imagine is happening for the Christians in Afghanistan, in China, in certain countries and provinces in Africa, in Canada? Oh, no, he didn't. He did not go there. I was a boat to not do it, but I had to go there. Of course they're scared, but what are they doing? They're praying. So Rhoda goes back. She says, in so many words, like a teenager would, you're never gonna believe who's at the door. Rhoda, leave us alone. We're busy praying for Peter and his safety. Yeah, yeah but, but Rhoda, hush. This is adult time. Go do what you need to do, right? get get on your your Hebrew TikTok, do your thing yeah but the thing that you're praying for Rhoda we're serious Peter's at the front door I just thought I'd let you know Um, no that's impossible is this how we pray brothers and sisters what was the church praying for the release of Peter they already knew that James was dead They're praying for the release of Peter. And what happens? Peter's released. And what is their response? (laughs) No, you got to be kidding me. And it says that that whole place was shaken, moved at the power of God. Peter was released because of the power of prayer. But understand this, James still died. In God's economy if I'm going to answer this question honestly in God's economy he has a plan he has a plan for each of us and for some they will be martyred some will die and it is horrific and it is not God's design that they die at the hands of those who are evil it says that God has made a place for them Hebrews 12 talks about those individuals who suffered that they walked away from the safety and comfort of their own lands and went out suffering and they never really saw the complete freedom that was promised to them but they didn't worry about it because they were looking towards a heavenly home and if you study those that were martyrs read Jesus freak sometimes read read the stories out of uh, Fox's book of martyrs you will hear over and over about those who suffered and died and even James in some of the extra biblical accounts his testimony before he died you see the testimony of stephen in your own scriptures stephen as he's being stoned looks up and there's a smile on his face that's glorious brothers and sisters because of the sin and the evil in this world there is suffering we talked about it last week so the reality is prayer does work but if The early church had gotten so discouraged at James's presumptive death maybe they would have stopped praying because they lost hope and that's our next question Elizabeth Elliot has this statement I love it cruelty and wrong are not the greatest forces in the world there is nothing eternal in them only love is eternal the second question I have And based off my pacing, (laughs) we're not even going to get to the third one, which is, are these the end times the scripture speaks of? Want the answer? I don't know. There you go. (laughs) Some of you are like, we're out of here. If he doesn't know when the end times are, we're leaving. What does hope look like in our current dark and overwhelming world right now? Well, it looks like salvation. Have you ever met somebody who was saved from perilous death? Have you ever met somebody who recovered from cancer? Have you ever met somebody whose life has been transformed and changed around from addiction? Salvation, salvation, salvation. Yay or nay? Yay. Thank you. Let's just check and see if you'll do a nay. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> it looks like salvation you can't have salvation if you don't have crisis do you realize that now ultimately with our souls the crisis is we're separated from god because of sin and because of that separation jesus says over and over and over he talks about a place where there is gnashing of teeth he talks about a place of eternal torment and here's the the wonderful message of salvation and hope Is that Jesus said and the Father said and the Holy Spirit said it is not what we want for you so we're making a way we are providing hope amen or yay so our salvation is the answer to that question about hope in a current and dark and overwhelming world start with your salvation if you don't know that salvation yet this is it it's a step of faith faith is being sure of things that are not seen you and I do not have the advantage of seeing Christ face to face but Jesus addressed that over and over he says you want a sign to prove even if I give you a sign you still won't believe he turned to Thomas who wanted a sign right and he shows them the scars and and Thomas proclaims my God my Savior my Jesus and Jesus responds by saying you believe because you see and you feel the scars but blessed are those who believe And do not see in that moment he was thinking of you here today that still have yet to take that step of faith if the message of Jesus Christ resonates in your heart but you're still not sure perfect you are right where you're supposed to be because this is all predicated on faith But when you start acting in faith, when you take those steps of faith and you start to be assured in your salvation, you see Jesus at work, you see prayers answered, you see mitigated suffering, you see hope because of the message of Christ, you now are a transformed person who moved from one cross to the other cross because of Jesus in the middle, yay or nay. Feels like the Rocky Bullwinkle show, you guys remember that? It looks like salvation and the ironic thing about salvation is you can't have salvation unless you have a crisis and so for those that have not yet gone down that pathway of making a, 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 a confession of belief scripture says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord that he died and rose on the third day that he is the Son of God it says you will be saved But the Holy Spirit has to lift that veil from your eyes and the thing that seems like foolishness at one moment becomes that which is your conviction in the next moment. And that you are willing to die for it. And there are believers all around the world who have hope. History dictates it, our current situation dictates it, and the future dictates it. They have hope because of what's waiting for them just like the believers listed in Hebrews 12. They look forward to a heavenly country, yea or nay. That is our hope in the midst of suffering. It looks like our concert here Friday night. It looks like the check that came in the mail when we were financially strapped. It looks like <clears throat> a changed life. I hope that each of you who proclaim Christ believe that you have seen a changed life because of Jesus. That's what He does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It looks like a saved marriage. Can you reflect on a marriage that was in the throes of disaster and suffering but because of Jesus, because of the truth of Scripture, because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that a marriage is turned around and saved and is thriving? It looks like healing for those that have suffered either physical emotional or mental or even spiritual suffering to have healing it looks like a new job when you can't stand the old one it looks like deciding to serve others rather than serving self it looks like incredible changes that come our way when we had no power to make that change yay or nay hope is a realization and demonstration by a person who lives as if the next moment can bring a better result and relentlessly pursues that moment. When that is seeded and cultivated by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we have limitless hope in a dark world. Hope isn't regulated by the narrative of the day, if you're a believer, it's cultivated by choices to step forward moment by moment towards something better. Let me say that again. If the question is, what does hope look like in our current dark and overwhelming world right now? Hope isn't regulated by the narrative of the day. It is cultivated by choices to step forward moment by moment towards something better. My mother-in-law loves, um, I don't know, that might be overstating it. She enjoys watching America's Got Talent she really enjoys watching the bad acts and she keeps waiting for somebody to take a knife into the skull or for somebody to set themselves on fire and explode no she doesn't look for any of those things she loves just the beauty of people hoping that what they've been gifted with blesses others and she mentions somebody i just happened to see this i was watching it with her and it's a gal named Jane Markow, Markowitz Mark Zuwiski, but she's known worldwide as Nightbird. And when she got up to sing for her audition, it was obvious something was not right physically. And so she did a song called It's Okay. She's not the best singer in the world. Just not. Uh, this young lady, loved singing, she went to Liberty University. She was always just short of being selected to the music teams. Rejected, rejected, rejected. So she went out on her own, started playing cafes, and ended up with a huge following. She moved back home after graduation, married a musician, and then she was classified with contracting cancer. So she fought cancer. She's fought cancer three times. And when she stood in front of the judges, it was obvious now what the issue was. And so when you hear these words, it's okay. She has a beautiful statement that she said from the platform that affected one of the judges, one of the most cynical judges, so profoundly, so deeply in the midst of such a tenuous situation that he punched the button for the golden ticket and to this day they they've talked multiple times over the phone because of how profound who she is and what she said in this song it's okay and while they're talking to her you know a lot of that is produced but there was an element of this that rang true because i think she shared something with them that she hadn't shared on the front end she basically said she had two percent chance of living and so she gets up and she sings this song it's okay and it's so profoundly affected all four of those judges that they started talking in different terms about her glow about the light of her life and how it was changing the room someone who should have lost all hope someone who should have with their circumstances oh by the way once it was determined that she had cancer her husband left her and yet this beautiful girl emanates such a level of joy and she shared these words from the stage that profoundly affected so many people you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore until you decide to be happy Hope is a decision to place your faith in that which is worthwhile. That which moves you into joy, happiness, goodness, godliness. And if we fail to move in those directions and take steps in those directions because of the circumstances around us, brothers and sisters, that's because we made the choice to do so. And as I have encouraged you, let history dictate some of your thinking on this. There is person after person, right out of scripture, that you can look to the example of their lives, primarily Jesus Christ. And you can see how regardless of the circumstances, it says, for the hope set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Other passages that speak to this, uh, by the way, she has seven dots tattooed on her arm, and she was asked in an interview what those seven dots mean. And it a quote, or she did it based off of Proverbs 24:16 that says, "In effect, seven times a man falls, but seven times the righteous get up. We get up because of the hope of heaven." We get up because of the hope of the Spirit being effective in our lives every day. Yay or nay? Yay. Romans 5, 1 through 5. I got a question on this last week, and I'll close with this. Romans 5, 1 through 5. I mentioned this, but I I had a follow-up question, so this works really well to go back and hit this. Paul says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in, here it is, hope of the glory of God. So regardless of our circumstances, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Seeing God manifested around us. His goodness, his righteousness, his godliness, right? If you were here Friday night, you saw it. There was a great joy. If you're here today, hopefully you're seeing it and you're experiencing it, amen, yay? (laughs) And he goes on to say this, more than that, we rejoice in our what? Sufferings. What? We rejoice in our sufferings. What are you talking about, Paul? Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces what? Hope. Character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out Into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us How can I have hope in the midst of a dark world because I have the Holy Spirit every single day? I have the truth and the promises of Jesus Christ every single day But if I do not pursue those and make active decisions to live in those then I will be swallowed up by the ugliness of the world around me. The ugliness is very real, but Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, has had victory over darkness. Yay or nay? Yay. With that, let's pray. And I'm gonna ask if a couple people would just stand where you are to pray for those suffering around the world, whether in Haiti, whether in Afghanistan, whether it's on your street, whether it's within your own family. Suffering is suffering. But hope does not disappoint, especially hope in Jesus Christ. How can someone who's facing imminent death, like Nightbird, have such joy in her heart and in her life? She will tell you it's because of Jesus Christ and the hope in Him and what she has waiting just like Savonarola, just like so many martyrs throughout the world, the ones in our history, the ones currently and the ones to come that sing in the midst of being sacrificed. Hope does not disappoint.